0: Thank God I told uh, Brian and Ronald and I said, when you come back, just make sure as you go down the aisle, say, unclean, unclean. <laughs> so here we are. Thank God. Luke chapter 2. If you turn in your Bibles there, Luke chapter 2. Here's a word for you. Christogeniaticophobia. Christogeniaticophobia. <laughs> that is literally the fear of Christmas which is a branch of heortophobia, which is the fear of holidays. This is a real phobia. Some people have this, usually starts in childhood, and it uh, it comes from bad events that people associate from Christmas. So I don't know if you have that. I'm not even going to try to repeat it again. Fear of Christmas. It's interesting, in the Christmas story, and almost all of the stories of Christmas... People are afraid. And the repeated message of Christmas is fear not, do not be afraid. And I'm telling you this morning that Christmas is the answer to fear. And I wanna preach a message I've entitled, Afraid of Christmas, Luke chapter two. And we're gonna start reading in uh, verse eight. And the Bible says, There were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. Lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. The glory of the Lord shone round about them and they were sore afraid. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I give you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be assigned to you. You'll find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace and goodwill toward men, afraid of Christmas. Let's begin, let's talk about fear at Christmas. Our story says when God's light came to the shepherds they were terrified. King James, New King James says they were sore afraid. It's a repeated phrase. One translation says they feared with a great fear. There was intense fear. This story is aimed and the message of the angels is aimed at people who live lives of fear. I don't know if you understand this. Some people Their entire lives are dominated by fear. read an article, Fear, What Americans Are Afraid of Today. The top six things that Americans fear most, getting in a car crash, getting cancer, not having enough money for retirement, getting Alzheimer's, being a victim of violence, or being unable to pay current debts. Those are just some individual fears, but... It goes beyond that. There are people that their life is dominated by fear of rejection. They are afraid that someone will see them and reject them and not want to to have anything to do with them. I don't want you in my life. And People who are dominated by the fear of rejection, generally they pull away from people, avoid people, or sometimes they reject other people first as a self-defense. Then there's fear of death. Listen, this year, COVID has absolutely terrified people. I see people, some of you here, you have existing conditions and concerns, wearing masks, God bless you, I have not the slightest problem with that. I must confess, I'm very puzzled by people driving in the car by themselves. <laughs> Mask, shield, gloves. Are you afraid of infecting yourself? Like, come on. That, that's that's irrational. Someone uh, uh, someone was telling me this past week, said that they'd uh, outreached. And when they outreached, talked to a lady. She said she has not left her house in three months, not even one time, for fear of catching something. Afraid of death, Hebrews 2, 15, says free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death, whether that's the fear of the unknown or the fear of punishment that they know is awaiting them. But the greatest fear of all is actually being afraid of God. In the text, it's clear this is a heavenly visitation, but it terrified the shepherds. Because... Our greatest fears, many times they involve the fear of God, and I don't mean in a healthy respect. If you think about it, the root of many people's bad decisions is actually their fear of God. Eve in the garden, she is tempted by uh, the serpent, and actually she was afraid that they were going to miss out on something good if they did not eat of this tree. Obeying God will mean you're going to miss out If you do what he says that in some way you're going to lose out, there's the fear of missing out. Young people, if I live for God, I am going to miss out on so much fun and enjoyment. Fear people having come from a traumatic experience or, or a traumatic relationship. They often rush into a relationship that perhaps is not wise. Why? Because they're afraid to trust God and wait for God I am going to miss out. Then there's the fear of God that is produced by guilt. Adam and Eve, they heard the voice of God, the Bible says, in the garden. But they hid themselves and Adam says, I heard you and I was afraid. Proverbs 28.1, the wicked flee though no one pursues. Joseph's brothers we read about in the book of Genesis. They had sold their youngest brother into slavery. And years go by. It's almost 20 years later. Some negative circumstances happen in their life. And immediately what they say to themselves is it's because of Joseph. So they're haunted by every bad thing. Is it That at any moment, God is going to pay me back for the things that I've done wrong. And then, of course, there's the fear of surrender. Some people understand that God will ask things of them. And they fear the cost. The rich young ruler went away sorrowful from Jesus Christ because he was afraid that following Jesus was going to cost him financially. Some people, it's their relationships. It'll cost me in friendships or with a boyfriend or girlfriend if I live for Jesus. Others, it's calling. I am afraid that God will call me to do something I'm not equipped to do. Had someone say to me, I'm I'm afraid if I surrender, God is going to make me be a missionary to Africa. Of course, he said that to someone who went as a missionary to Africa, the greatest experience of my life, but to him, it was a torment, afraid. So this is what's happening in our story because it's a universal problem and that's fear. Let's talk about beholding Christmas because built into the Christmas story is God's answer to fear of whatever kind it is. Verse 10, the angel said, Fear not, I beho- behold, I give you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. In every version of the Christ- Christmas story, whether it's Mary, Joseph, Elizabeth, Zechariah, it doesn't matter who it is, if it's the shepherds, if it's the wise men, built into this is the message, do not be afraid. Christmas is the answer to fear. They're commanded, the shepherds are commanded to behold, which is to look on carefully or study or think about this, investigate it. Fear not, the angel said, for behold. If you are afraid, that means you're not beholding. And if you are beholding, you'll not be afraid. So God is so concerned that you not be afraid because he understands it's the root of so many bad decisions if we can see clearly by not being afraid then we can choose correctly and make healthy decisions so what is it that god wants us to behold i believe it's the message of christmas and our story tells us what is the christmas message Number one, Jesus was born. Verse 11, unto you is born this day. God's answer to human fear is literally, God wants to come down where you live to feel what we feel. It's said that Henry David Thoreau once spent an entire day in Walden Pond up to his neck in the water His idea was he wanted to see and experience the world like a frog sees it. Well, that's great, but Thoreau didn't become a frog. But the Christmas story is God became a man. He became a human being. Why? So that he could go through some of the things that we go through. He could feel what we feel. Hebrews 4.15, we don't have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who's been tempted in every way, just like we are, and yet he didn't sin. Second part of the Christmas message is not only was Jesus born... Jesus was born a savior. Verse 11, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a savior. It's not enough that Jesus feel what we feel. He had to pay what we should pay because the Bible says we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Matthew 1, call him Jesus for he shall save the people from their sins. This is actually the story of Christmas is that Jesus was born and he had one purpose in being born overall and that is one day he would die in our place. He would take the punishment that you and I deserve. That is the answer to guilt is that Jesus was born a savior. And thirdly, Our text says, Jesus was born a savior who is the Lord. Verse 11, for unto you is born this day a savior which is Christ the Lord. See, Jesus was born to rule. He was born to be king. When at his birth, the wise men, they brought gifts fit for a king. Because that is who Jesus is meant to be. Who he has to be for everyone is the king. The one who rules. The one who makes the decisions overall in our life that we line up with. That's a king. But the problem is, there is something in our hearts that resists Jesus being king. Herod, he resisted and tried to fight Jesus being the king. Pastor Mitchell used to say, most people are serving God in their own will. I like not going to hell. I like you giving me money if I run short. I like you fixing problems, but don't tell me what to do. Serving God in their own will. But Christmas is actually only good news to those who are gonna surrender and let Jesus be king. Saul." At his conversion, we talked about it in Sunday school. He said, Lord, what would you have me to do? That is why God was able to help him so powerfully is because he surrendered. Chinese man named Watchman Ni, who was telling about a group of Christians, they got together to have a picnic. One man got a cramp and began sinking in the river. They asked another man, they knew he was an excellent swimmer, jump in and save that man. But the man just stood there and watched as the man the drowning man was struggling he grew fainter and more desperate and as he went under for what looked to be the last time the swimmer then jumped in brought him back to shore watchman nee said he began yelling at the strong swimmer how selfish why didn't you jump in early? And the man said, if I jumped in immediately and tried to save a drowning man, he would clutch me in panic and pull me under uh, with him. In order to be saved, he must come to the end of himself and stop struggling, stop trying to save himself. Only then he can be helped. That's, that's a powerful story. If you want Jesus to bring all that he is into your life, you're going to have to stop struggling. You're going to have to let him be king. Let's look at one final thought, and that is glory in the highest. See, beholding the message of Christmas actually produces some wonderful things for us. We see that it brings healing for fear. Fear not, do not be afraid. That is the message of Christmas. 1 John 4, 18 says, perfect love casts out fear. Do you know that the Christmas story is God's answer for your rejection issues? Some of you had someone that they didn't raise you, they told you they didn't want you, whatever, and all that's played out in your life. But you know, the Christmas story is the God of the universe came out of heaven and became a man because you are loved. You don't know what they... The God of the universe loves you enough he came down to be with you. That is the answer for rejection. It's the answer to the fear of death. I want to tell you, before I was saved... I was tormented by fear. It's really bad to come to church and know right when you want to do wrong. I was tormented by fear. I was tormented that I would miss the rapture. I was tormented that I would die, go to hell. When I got in the car, I wanted to sit in the back seat in the middle because cars crash on the side. I figured that maybe I have a chance of living and not going to hell. But then I got saved Moved to Australia, and one night I was working overtime, coming back late, and a drunk came alongside my car and deliberately rammed his car into mine, sent me on into incoming traffic, and finally the car came to a stop on the median. And when the car stopped safely and I didn't die, think about it, now I'm saved, two thoughts immediately popped into my head. Number one was, I didn't swear wow. That was a change. I must be different. But the second thing was, I was ready. If I had hit head on and died, I was ready to go. That fear of death was gone. Christmas brings joy into our lives. God appeared to Shepherds who didn't have much, but God brings joy into their relationship or their lives rather. There is joy in having relationship with God. There is joy in usefulness, joy that is above the circumstances in life. There's peace, verse 14, peace on earth. This is what God wants to bring, peace into your life, peace where you live in your situation. You know what, life has so many things that we don't know. There are so many things that we don't know how, but we can have peace. God doesn't give you a roadmap for everything. I don't remember seeing the word COVID in my Bible, but God knew that it was going to happen, right? There's a whole bunch of things I never saw coming in my life, but yet... There can be a peace, Philippians 4, 7, and the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That's the message of Christmas. In this crazy year, we've still got a week and a half to go of 2020. Who knows what could happen? (laughs) But you know what? And yet I have peace because God is with us. He's going to help us no matter what. And then there's healing in relationships. Verse 14, goodwill toward men. You know, when people genuinely experience the love of God, often it flows out in their relationships. For some people, they are able to forgive by a miracle of God those that have violated them. It works out. And the natural result of Christmas should be worship. Verse 13 and 14, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. You know what? The angels set the pattern at Christmas. That is how can you not sing and say good things about God if you know his love? That is what Christmas actually should produce in believers is a life of worship. It, it, worship is not meant to be just a few minutes in a song service or a few minutes at, at the end of the singing. It's meant to be your whole life. Hebrews 10, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, draw near to God worshiping God the fruit of our lips Hebrews says, the sacrifice of praise, how can you hear the Christmas story and not want to gather with the king and not want to worship the king or how can you come to church I am mystified, there are people who come to church, they are in the presence of God, they don't sing they don't clap They don't lift their hands. They don't praise. How is that possible? After all that God has done for us. Verse 15 says, let's go see for ourselves. Every person at Christmas, you need to behold and think about the true meaning of Christmas and how that works out in your life this Christmas. I close with this story. William Lawrence Bragg, was the youngest person ever to win a Nobel Prize in physics. He won the Nobel Prize at age 25. This man was very famous as a physicist. But William Lawrence Bragg, he was knighted. Now he's Sir Lawrence. He loved gardening. When he moved to London to take up his uh, position at the Royal Institute, he had to leave behind his garden that he loved in Cambridge. He'd worked on for so many years. He's living in an apartment and uh, no garden to work in. He was very unhappy. He came up with a solution. So here's Sir William Lawrence Bragg dressed in old gardening clothes and he put a spade over his shoulder and he went to a wealthy area of town until he found a house with a garden he really wanted to work on. Then he would ring the bell, tip his hat, and introduce himself as Willie. He's an odd job gardener, and I just happened to have one free afternoon a week. I could work on your garden. A lady employed him and found out that he was fantastic in the garden, loved him working in the garden, until one day she had a friend come over and looked out the window and gasped, "Good heavens, what is Sir Lawrence Bragg doing in your garden?" <laughs> you know why I tell that story is that is the Christmas story. Some of you here is, what is the God of the universe doing in your life because it's Christmas? What is he doing in your marriage? What is he doing in this crazy year? That is the Christmas story is God came down. The message of the angels is do not be afraid. Let's bow our heads. Close our eyes all across this place if you'll do that for a moment. I do want to speak to people that may be here this Morning, that you are not right with God. And my challenge to you is the challenge of Christmas that God came out of heaven, and the Bible says He came to save people from their sin. There may be people that are here this morning that you are not right with God. If you'd be honest for a moment, you'd say, I know that I am a sinner. God would not be pleased with the way that I've been living. And yet this is the Christmas message. He was born to die. He came, was born as a human being, as a man, lived the perfect life that we have no hope of ever living a perfect life. And then he died the death, taking our punishment that we deserve for our sin so that we can go free. That is wonderful news at Christmas. There may be people that are here this morning, first of all, in this building, that you are not right with God. Do you know what? You could fix that. This very morning, you could pray with an honest heart, and God would forgive you and do a miracle inside of you. How many here, you say, I'm not a Christian. I know that. I'm not right with God, but I want to pray with an honest heart. I want God to forgive me. If that's what you want to do, lift up your hand. Say, Pastor Greg, I need Jesus. How many would there be all across this place? Hold it up high so I can see it. Pastor Greg, I need Jesus. I know that I'm not right with God, but I want to get right. Here's my hand. Maybe you're backslidden. You were saved in the past, but you turned your back on God. Backslider, lift up your hand. God loves you. He wants to help you. He's not giving up on you, backslider. Lift up your hand right now, and God will help you. Thank God. Then there are people watching online. Maybe you're not right with God. You're watching this at home or wherever you're watching and you need Jesus. Then I want you to pray where you're at. God will meet with you there. I want you to say this out loud. Say, Father God, I need Jesus. I admit I am a sinner. I know that I've done wrong. Please forgive me of my sins. I know that Jesus died for my sin. Come into my heart. And give me the power to live for you from this day forward in Jesus' name. Amen. God, every person that is watching online that they prayed, I'm asking, make yourself real to these people, Lord God. I believe that you are able to touch them in Jesus' name. Let's all stand up to our feet. We're going to open the altars. Maybe some of you are wrestling with fear this Christmas. Some of you are afraid to surrender. Then do it this morning. Some of you are wrestling all the problems of life. And what you need to do is behold the one who loves you enough to come out of heaven and care for you. Let's sing together. Worship God.